Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. It's good to see you. My name's John. I'm the lead pastor here. If you are watching online, thank you for watching. We are so glad that you are watching wherever and whenever you are. Uh, one thing I want to talk about really quick before we kind of get into uh, what we're talking about tonight with joy and the values we have here is uh, one of the values we have is, it's not an official value, but it's we want to be a place, not where, a church where everybody knows everybody, even in a church the size that we are right now, kind of just starting out two years in, uh, not everybody can know everybody, right? You all right here in our, the numbers we have right now will not fit in my living room. You can't come over for dinner once a week. I couldn't handle it, all right? Especially some of you. So we don't want to, we can't be a church where everybody knows everybody, but we want to be a church where everyone is known by somebody, where there is nobody who just comes and doesn't know anybody and nobody knows them. So we want to be a church where people can connect. And so with that, we have designed our small group environment, what we call our connect groups, to be that place where you can be known and know others. We call our connect groups basically where the churching happens, right? Where Jesus said, love one another and bear one another's burdens. That can't happen when you're sitting in a row. That happens when you're sitting in a circle in somebody's living room, getting to know each other and sharing a meal and talking about life. And so that's why we created connect groups. Now, the good news is, if you've never been in a connect group, you can jump right in today because we are starting our sign-up process today. Connect groups actually start, let me check my notes, uh, September 8th. And so you have a little while to kind of think about it, talk to some people who maybe been in a group, and say, hey, I'd like, to, I'd like to be part of a connect group. And if you've been in a connect group, we're doing things a little bit differently this year. This is our second year doing it. And so as a church plant, we're always changing things, always tweaking things up. And so uh, we will still be having our regular, what we're calling mixed groups, you know, men, women, couples, singles, that type of thing, uh, meeting in homes. We're going to be doing those on Mondays and Tuesday evenings. But on Wednesday evenings, we're changing it up. We are, uh, hopefully, if there's interest, we're going to be having a, a men's connect group. We're going to be having a, a women's connect group. Uh, the need is, is uh, being heard that we need a youth connect group. And so we're, we're not calling it a youth group. We're calling it a youth connect group where uh, teenagers are actually part of Cross Creek. We're not going to have them do their own separate church thing. We're actually going to have them do their own connect group. So they're going to be part of this service and be part of a connect group. And uh, we are going to try to launch something called Starting Point, which is basically a a small group where we explore what faith is. I mean, where you can ask questions, where you can have doubts and say, hey, you know what? I've, I've been wondering this. And somebody else goes, I've wondered that too. What do we you can kind of talk about? What, what is this Christian faith thing all about? And so if you are interested in a connect group, that is why we have for you a card that you probably received in your program when you walked in. 
You can fill this out with some very easy information. Uh, check the boxes that apply to you. If you were in a group last year, go ahead and sign up again this year so we can put you uh, in the correct group. And then after service or next week when you're ready, you can drop this in the uh, box at the information table. Or you can also sign up online. We have people who are in our Connect groups who have never actually stepped foot in this building, but they're a full part of Cross Creek because they're able to watch online and then go to a Connect group. So even if you watch online, you can join a Connect group. You can go to um, yourcrosscreek.com, Connect, and you can fill out the information right there. And so we're pretty excited that Connect groups are starting up on September 8th. All right? So there's my plug. You guys good? Good. If there's questions, don't ask because that's awkward for how we do things here. So we are in part three of a series that we are calling Becoming. And as, as you saw or heard in the, the intro video there, we all are becoming something. Right? You're not who you were five years ago. You've become something different. Often, we just become whatever life throws at us. It just kind of happens. It kind of happens by accident. We don't be like, hey, I'm going to become this. And then you be, you, life just happens and you go with, go with the flow. But what if we actually were able to choose who we would be in five years? Choose who people would know us as, what we, what we would be known for. And not just us individually, not just us as a church, but maybe even our community. Maybe even our fa- what would our family be known for? And so when we started this church about two years ago, uh, we sat down and we said, hey, we need some values that we're going to be known for. And so that's what we're kind of going through is these is five values. And we've, last week I was on vacation and our, one of our uh, executive leadership team members, Aaron, filled in and he's actually on our teaching team. So he didn't fill in, he fulfilled his role. And he talked about our value of shared ministry where everybody helps everybody. And so this week... Um, I kind of want to talk about something that we probably all have in common. When, you t- when we talk about who you want to be in five years, I think there's an underlying current, an underlying theme that I think we all have. If you picture yourself in five years, who you want to be in five years, I'm going to ask you a very difficult question, though I'm going to give you time to think about it. Would you like to be happier or more sad in five years? I know, it's hard. Welcome to Cross. We ask the hard questions here. But happy, right? We all want to be happy. Actually, I, you know, in preparation for this, I, I googled how to be. And guess what the very first thing that came up was? Happy. How to be happy. In fact, I typed in how, and it said to be happy. We all want to be happy. I think it's a strong, innate desire in us. In fact, if you think about this, the pursuit of happiness is behind almost every decision we make. The pursuit of happiness is behind almost every decision we make. I was going to say behind every decision we make, but then you get all distracted trying to think of something that isn't. But almost every decision we make is really, if you drill down, it's based on, will this make me happy? Why did you choose the outfit or the clothes, if you're a guy, that you're wearing today? Because it makes you happy, right? Black is slimming. I wore black, (laughs) right? It makes me happy happy when I watch the little video on Facebook and I say, hey, wearing black, that looks better. We all want to be happy. Why did you choose that spouse? Well, you thought they would make you happy. That, that school you might have gone to, well, you were hoping it would lead you to happiness. That meal you chose to have, in one way or another, whether you enjoyed the meal or not, you were hoping there would be happiness there. 
Maybe that exercise routine that you've started, you thought it would make you happy, but now you're miserable and you need to give up. Just be like the rest of us. In fact, I think this pursuit of happiness is why wars are fought. Right? You have stuff we want. I mean, we'll get very basic. You have stuff we want. If we had it, we'd be happier, so we will take it from you. Or we think freedom will make us happy, and so we will fight you for our freedom. It's the pursuit of happiness. I think it's the, it's the motivation be t- behind the wise choices we make. Right? If, you, if you're watching what you eat and you're being careful, it's, maybe you're suffering now. I like to eat. Maybe you haven't caught that. You're suffering now. But it's in the end, you'll be happier, right? What is it? What's that saying? Does this taste as good as skinny will feel? And the answer is much better than skinny will feel. I think it's the, motiva- the pursuit of happiness is the motivation behind unwise choices we make, right? We think this, whatever this is, will make me happy right now. So I'll buy it, or I'll take it, or I'll drink it, or I'll smoke it, or I'll sleep with it, or it won't make me happy, so... I'll just get rid of it. And I, really, if you, there's nothing wrong with, be, with wanting to be happy. In fact, I've, we've said this a few times, and we can go back to different messages and stuff, but I firmly believe God wants us to be happy. He created us to be happy. But I think the problem isn't that we want to be happy. The problem is that we don't always, most of us, and I know I don't always, understand what happiness really is. See, we, we think of life and our pursuit of happiness a lot like uh, rolling hills. We think that's what life is, right? Happiness is being on, on the high hill for as long as possible, having as many of those high experiences as possible, trying to stay there as long as possible, trying to do everything you can to stay there as long as possible, making dumb choices to help us get up there and maybe stay there just as long as possible, doing whatever we can to avoid those low valley times. Avoid anything painful. Avoid anyone whose pain might affect us. But really, if you think about it, that's not how life works. It's never, you know, everything is awesome, as the song says right now, or everything is terrible. That's not how it works. It's never just all high or all low. See, life really is more like a set of train tracks, not the Hogwarts Express. Thank you, Gillian. But life really is like a set of train tracks. On one side, you have everything that brings you joy, everything that brings you happiness, Everything that brings you pleasure and contentment. Everything that's beautiful on one side. But on the other side of the same tracks, things that hurt you, things that bring pain, disappointment, and it's coming at you all at the exact same time. We experience both of those at the same time. That's why you can be in the middle of you know, something, something amazing, some, some experience, and still feel like there's something missing. That's why you could be having the best day ever, and then it comes crashing down because of one thing somebody says. That's why you could be enjoying one of the best days of sleeping in possible, and then hear your dog throw up and have to go pick it up like I did this morning. Because at this exact same time, there's peace and contentment and joy and trouble and pain and disappointment all coming at the same time. We're trying to change houses right now, trying to sell a house, trying to buy a house, and things are not going well in that arena, 
And on a more not well day, I was playing with my kids, something that, you know, I just, I love doing. I have some great kids, I think. I'm a little biased. But I was not enjoying it. Usually, I, I love it, you know, wrestling and doing all these Legos and that type of stuff. But I was miserable because the house thing wasn't going well. Something that should bring me joy, but I was focusing on the, the other side of the tracks. But here's the thing. We have all this at the same time, and this is the reality where God meets us. See, real life, not, you know, high-in-the-sky life, but real life is simultaneously painful and beautiful. All at the same time. And the cool thing is, God says that we can be happy in that daily, messy collision of painful and beautiful. And even more, it's, it's a happiness that can affect those around us. It's a happiness we can have in the middle of the mess and a happiness we can have that actually affects other people. And that's why one of the values we have, what we'll be talking about tonight, is what we're calling contagious joy. Usually things that are contagious you don't want. This one you probably do want. And so the Apostle Paul actually talks about joy. And it's kind of a conundrum how he talks about it, and we'll get into it. But he talks about it in what we call the book of Philippians. It's in the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Galatians, go, Ephesians, eat, Philippians, pop, and the other one that starts with C, corn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? Go eat popcorn. Got it? Cool. But if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. We're going to have everything on the screen. But we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 4 today. And so we call this the book of Philippians. It's really just an ancient letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Jesus followers in the city of Philippi, which is an ancient city in Greece. It's actually the first European city that Paul preached to when he was going around the Mediterranean Sea preaching to people. It's in Greece. It's named after Philip II of Macedonia. I know. Maybe you haven't heard of him, but you've heard of his son, Alexander the Great. Yeah, it's named after Alexander's dad, and what it is at the time Paul's writing is a colony of former soldiers. So all these Jesus followers are former Roman soldiers, that, right, just these tough, gruff. If you think you're tough, meet a Roman soldier. I'm sorry, unless you're an American soldier, and then you're, you're right up there. Don't worry. And some of you know where I live. So, so he's talking to a group of Jesus followers. And the weird thing is, this, this book is called, often called the book or the letter of joy. But while Paul's writing it, he's not experiencing everything is awesome right now. Paul's actually in prison, facing a very real possibility of being executed. Yet he's choosing joy in this situation. And so he's talking to a group of Jesus followers, like I said. Which means if you aren't a Jesus follower and you're checking things out today or online, that's awesome. That's why we made this church. Cross Creek is a church designed for people who don't normally go to church. But what you're going to be hearing tonight is kind of like um, behind the curtain stuff, right? Like if you, if you decide to follow Jesus, this is kind of like that, some of the secret stuff that you'll learn later on right before we teach you the handshake, so you're kind of getting a behind-the-scenes look of like, hey, maybe this is something I want, to, I want to be a part of. And so what we'll talk about tonight, you can try it if you'd like to, but you are not required to in any way whatsoever. You kind of just get to sit back and relax. There's no pressure on you 
tonight. So what does Paul talk, what does Paul say about joy? Let's start in Philippians 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you weren't listening, in case you fell asleep in the first three chapters, I will say it again. Rejoice. Oh, that's easy. The secret to happiness, guys? Be happy. Now, if if you're thinking, I mean, that's a command. He's not saying, hey, when things are good, rejoice, you know? Thank God when things are going good. Be thankful for what you have. No. It's a command. He's saying, always be joyful. Always be rejoicing. And if, if you're here, you're probably maybe thinking, if you're online, maybe you said it out loud, that's dumb. It's okay. You can, you can question the Bible. You can question what people wrote. It means you're engaging the text. You're thinking. Always be rejoicing. How do you command feelings? Right? The best thing that happens is when, when you're sad and crying and somebody says, well, don't be sad. Oh, thanks. Phew. I'm so happy now. Thank you for telling me not to feel that way. But somehow Paul is saying that joy is a choice. Joy is something we can choose. You might be thinking, okay, well, maybe like choose your attitude, right? We've all heard that. You can choose your attitude when good and the bad come. You get to choose how you react. And maybe there's a little bit of that there. But he says, always rejoice. Always be rejoicing. Be actively rejoicing. So even in horrible times, even when, the, when the, the diagnosis comes back not in your favor. Even when you were totally mistreated by that coworker who now got the promotion and you are still back having to deal with, you know what? Always be rejoicing, even when they leave? Even when they won't leave? Always be rejoicing? Now, I think... Well, we kind of need to stop here because misunderstanding this verse, misunderstanding what Paul's saying here, has really made a lot of people leave church. Because this has been misused. This has been used against them. Here's what Paul is not saying. Paul is not saying that sadness is a sin. He's not saying that you're less than a Christian if you experience sadness. And he's not saying that, you know, depression and mental health issues aren't real. It's just your choice. No, those are real things that I think the, the American church still has some making up to do and understanding and dealing with and helping people heal and go through these depression and, and mental health issues. Paul's also not saying, you know, you're set, just fake it till you make it. Just put on the happy face, especially when you go to church and you see other Christians. Make sure you smile. Don't fake it till you make it. Unless you're on stage, and then you probably should just smile. It's not ignoring your circumstances and, you know, just sing the happy Christian songs. Make sure your radio's turned to the Christian station so you'll just feel happier. And it's not avoiding pain. It's not avoiding people who are hurting just by giving them pat answers and out-of-context Bible verses. That's not what Paul's saying here. See, what Paul is talking about is a happiness that stares pain right in the face, a happiness that accepts life for what it really is and yet somehow can still choose joy. How is that possible? He says rejoice in the Lord 
always. See, and that's the secret. Rejoice in the Lord always. The joy that Paul's telling them to choose, that Paul's telling these former soldiers to choose, is based solely on and completely in Jesus. If you're a Jesus follower, no matter what circumstance you are in, you can trust that Jesus is in it with you. So that's what he promised. Now that might sound trite. Might sound, you know, like, oh, he's just giving the, the churchy answer, right? But it's not. It's powerful. It might be simple, but it's not easy. It might be simple, but it's not weak. It's powerful. See, trust is the foundation of joy. Trust is the foundation of joy. Jesus, who conquered death, the one through whom everything was made and in whom everything holds together, is with you in the middle of whatever you are in. Here's the thing, and he's, he's proven how much he loves you. He's proven that he loves you unconditionally and will die for what is good for you. If someone will die for you, as we like to say, someone will die for you, that means they're for you. The one who conquered death is for you. The one through whom everything was made is for you. You can trust him. Is it always fun? No. But in him you can have peace and you can choose joy because it's based not on your circumstances, not on what you can muster up, but it's based on who is with you in that situation. It's based on your identity as a Jesus follower, the fact that you are in him and he is in you. And it's not, it's not a happiness that depends on you trying to grasp as many highs as possible. It's a happiness that's not dependent on you at all. Therefore, it's a secure happiness. It's a secure joy. It's unlimited because it's not from you. It's from the, the unconditional love of Jesus, which means you don't have to try to grab it. You can actually let it go. You can share it. You can spread it. It can be contagious. Check out verse 5. Let your gentleness, Roman soldiers, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. See, here's the thing about real joy, joy that's based in Jesus. Joy leads to peace with others. Joy leads to peace with others. And I don't know about you, I've never met somebody who's joyful that's always fighting with other people around them. He's always bickering with people. My kids at this moment in this stage of the life they're in are not joyful people because they are constantly bickering, which then teaches me to have contagious joy. And Anyway, contentious people are not happy people. But joy leads to peace with others because you have this joy that doesn't depend on your circumstances, doesn't depend on your control, which means you are free. You're free to give up your rights for other people. You are free to give up what you think you deserve for the betterment of someone else. Other people, maybe that, that didn't click, but other people are not obstacles, obstacles 
to your happiness. Other people are not the ones in the way of your happiness where you have to remove them somehow or fight them somehow. Because your happiness doesn't depend on you, doesn't depend on grasping highs. Your happiness is from Jesus. It doesn't depend on them either. You don't have to fight for your happiness. You don't have to fight for what you think you want or need, your respect or reputation or possessions. Because your joy comes from knowing whose you are and knowing where every good and perfect gift comes from. Your heavenly Father who loves you and loves to give gifts. And so you can be patient. You can be patient when things aren't going your way, when your house isn't selling or when your health isn't looking the way you want it to. Because the Lord is near. The time is coming when everything will be set right. You might be saying, that's cool. That's nice. I get, I get where you're coming from, bro. The first time I've said bro in three years. <laughs> but still, how do we do this? See, if it, if it doesn't work when you get out of these doors and get into your car, it doesn't really help much, right? Otherwise, we're just kind of talking about the Bible over and over. But how do we do this? How do we actually apply this to our lives? What is, what's the step we need to take? I'm so glad you asked. Paul goes on. Don't be anxious about anything. Thanks, Paul. That's helpful. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What's the secret? Prayer. Oh, I knew it. It's church. Of course, it's prayer. But here's the thing, and this is that secret stuff I was talking to you about. Prayer sustains joy. Prayer sustains joy. And let me tell you another secret. Prayer is weird. It's weird. Think about it. There is an all-knowing, all-powerful God who holds the whole universe in his hands, makes everything happen, yet we're told to ask for things. Where God's like, oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Forgot you needed that one. Thanks for reminding me. We're told to ask, yet he knows everything we need, and he knows what we're going to ask before we ask it. So is that really like the point? Like, Make sure you pray so you get what you want. I think it's really about being honest with God and with ourselves about what we need, about what we want, and aligning ourselves with his heart, aligning ourselves with how he sees things, and, and, and aligning ourselves with the need that, to trust him, to rely on him. See, it's not just this prayer that Paul's talking about. It's not just, oh, God, please. If you don't come through, then everything is over. It's over. We're done for. We're doomed. See, praying that way, that's how you pray yourself into a pit of, <clears throat> into a pit of despair. <laughs> See, that's prayer and petition, not with thanksgiving, but with complaining. Prayer and petition with... See, the key is, Prayer with thanksgiving, giving thanks. See, without this thanksgiving, without this being thankful, there is no joy, there is no peace. Notice it says, in every situation. 
Present your request to God in every situation. Not, you know, be thankful in every situation. Not be thankful for every situation. So that wouldn't make sense. Hey, thank you, God, that my life sucks right now. Right? What? That doesn't make sense. But you can be thankful in every situation. God, I don't know what I'm going to do in this situation. I will be honest. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm starting to freak out. This is hard. This is painful. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I choose to thank you. Not for this situation, not for the pain, but thank you that you are in control and thank you that I am not. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that I can trust you. See, it's trusting that he knows what he's doing. And choosing to thank him for that and choosing to thank him for what he has done already. So if you think about it, in every situation, we can choose why me or thank you. One's focused on us and what we can't do. One is focused on God and what he can do. In every situation, we can choose, why me? Why is this happening to me? You know, I, I gave so much to the parking lot campaign, and I go every other Sunday, and I watch online when I can. Why is this happening to me, God? Or, thank you, God, that, you know, I, I'm still here. I, st- I still have what you've given me. Thank you that you are in control, that I don't have to try to control this uncontrollable situation, but I can rest in you. And that trust will begin to produce a peace that will guard your anxious heart and will guard that overactive mind that tries to keep you up at night. It will also help you kind of start thinking clearly about something constructive you could do about your situation. And this prayer of thanksgiving, it's not just apathy, it's not just inaction of, nope, it's all in God's hands. It is all in God's hands, but it's not just giving up. See, it's good to make plans and work towards goals, But in your action, in your choices, you align yourself with God's ultimate good. You acknowledge that you really aren't in control, and you choose to trust him. And I want to take a minute and maybe be a little bit cheesy here. I want to bring back that train analogy we started with, about how life is on a train, or we're on a train, and life is both sides of that track. See, joy what we're talking about. Joy is the result of trusting the conductor and which window you choose to look out of. Joy is a result of trusting the conductor and which window you choose to look out of. See, the question of joy is this. Who do you trust and where are you looking? Who do you trust? Is it yourself? Is it other people? Is it your money? Is it, you know, your education? Is it God? And where are you looking? You are on the train of life. You don't have a choice. You're on it. You were born on it. There's no getting off. There is a conductor, someone moving this life forward. Do you trust him? You might say, well, I'm not even sure he's there. That's okay. If he was there, and he is everything Jesus said he was, could you trust that? See, often I think we try to conduct the trains ourselves with like this little toy steering wheel. And we get so angry. 
that it won't turn the way we want it to turn. We get so anxious that it, well, sometimes we realize it's just a toy and we can't do anything about it. We get so mad we slam that little honk, 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 honk. And then we're mad that it's just a little honk, honk. And I think that's why we, try, we, we so often take ourselves so seriously. We can't roll with the punches of life because we are so busy trying to steer our little steering wheel. You ever have kids in the shopping cart with the little steering wheel and they think they're in charge? And they're turning like this. They don't really know how steering wheels work and you turn that way. And then you're going straight because you have to you know, go get the milk and they're trying to turn and it doesn't work and they get all serious and they think, they think they're hot stuff. But you know they're just dumb kids. <laughs> See, we think it all depends on us. We refuse to trust that there's a conductor who knows what he's doing and we get exhausted and we get angry and we get, we get fearful and stressed. And we say, well, I wouldn't have chosen to take that turn at that slow speed. I would, have, I would have hit it full force and taken that turn if I was the conductor of the train. You probably would have and now you would have been all messed on the tracks and it would have been a whole derailment. Aren't you glad you're not the conductor? And he knew when to slow down. He knew when to take the turn. We need to choose to trust the conductor. So who are you trusting? And where are you looking? See, out one side, again, is everything that brings pain, hurt, and sadness. All that you hate that has happened to you. All that you hate that is happening to you. All that could happen in your future, your fears. The other side is God's love, his power, his protection, his provision. Everything you can be thankful for. Which window will you focus on? Which window are you choosing to focus on? Which window will you use to filter your journey? See, looking out the joy window does not mean that the other side isn't there. It doesn't mean you're pretending not to see it. It means you are choosing what you will focus your life on. Will you always focus out the pain window? Or will you choose to filter your journey, your memories, your choices through the joy window? What will you dwell on? What will you define your life by? It's your choice. You can choose the anxious window, or you can choose to be joyful. And so I want to give you some homework. It's very difficult. Most things here are. Every morning this week, it's seven days, you can do it. Every morning this week, try this prayer. It can be these words. These are simple words. Prayer doesn't have to be complicated. God, help me trust you. You don't even have to add anything to it if you want. It's not a magical ritual or anything. You don't have to turn around three times and throw some chicken feathers somewhere. But every morning this week, try this. God, help me trust you. Maybe you're not sure there is a God. Maybe you're sitting here. Maybe somebody drug you here. Maybe you're watching a line to make somebody happy and you've made it this far, which is awesome. Maybe you're not sure there is a God. What's the worst that happens if there isn't? And you try this. Nothing. So try it. God, help me trust you. Then help me see the good you have given me. Help me look out the right window. Help me see the good things. Help me trust you in the things I don't understand. Help me see the good things that you have given me. And then thank you. Just say thank you. Even if, you're, even if there isn't a God, at least you're starting your day positively, right? Help me trust you. Help me see the good you have given me. 
and thank you. And then watch what happens. You will probably find a weird happiness that starts fighting its way through the darkness of life. You'll begin to bring happiness to others by choosing not to take yourself and your wants so seriously. You will learn to be content with what God has given you, and you will begin to learn to choose joy over over anxiety. See, and this joy isn't like just for those religious church people. This joy isn't like, like I said, like the, the secret handshake type thing. This joy is offered to everyone. It's what Jesus, why Jesus said he came. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they, us, may have life, and it'll be okay. No, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Does that mean everything you want you're always going to get? No. Does that mean everything's going to be great and, you know, the good will outweigh it? Not always. But it'll be full. It'll be rich. It'll have purpose. You'll know there's meaning behind the pain. It's not just random acts of hurt. There is someone conducting the train, and there's a reason for it that we might not ever understand. But there is a reason for it. You simply have to choose to trust that God loves you enough to have come and died for you. And that's the life Jesus offers. So life is a messy collision of pain and joy all at once. And God is ready to meet us right in the middle of all of it. Think about it. What if you didn't have to stress about every decision you needed to make? Do you know the outcome of every decision? No. But there's someone who does. What if you didn't have to stress about every decision you need to make? What if you didn't feel like you had to fight for what you thought you deserved? What if you didn't have to take yourself so seriously because life doesn't depend on you? Would you be happier? Would the people around you be happier? See, it's the contagious joy that happens for anyone who chooses to trust and chooses to be thankful. See, because of Jesus, we can enjoy real happiness in the middle of real life. Because of Jesus, we can enjoy real happiness, lasting happiness, joy in the middle of real life, in the good and the bad. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you designed us, you made us, you created us to enjoy, to be happy, to have the capacity to enjoy this life. Thank you that you promised to be with us no matter what situation we're in, that you promised that you, through you we can have joy even when things are not looking good. Thank you that you love us, that you care for us, and that you are for us. Teach us to trust you. Help us take maybe just one baby step closer to trusting you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I hope you guys have a great week. Next week we'll continue this series. Don't forget to 
think about signing up for Connect Groups, and I hope to see you next week. Thanks again for being here.